can Kevin O'Connell be great? That's one of the questions we're asking today. There's always a possibility. Then we're going to look at depth. A couple of positions in particular, but we're looking at depth because Darren is worried. Should he be? And then we'll finish up the show looking at the interior defensive line. The big round bellies on the defensive side of the ball. Where we sit, do we have depth there? Do we have quality there? Do we need outstanding players there? Or can a bunch of good ones make it work? Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Dave and Darren, your two old bloggers. Been doing this for over two decades apiece. Commenting publicly on your Minnesota Vikings. We're about to start today's show. Vikings First and Skull presents This Week in Vikings Land with Darren and Dave, your two old bloggers. Hey everybody, it's Darren and Dave here, your two old bloggers, and we're at it again this week. And this week, believe it or not, we aren't talking about the draft. However, that will resume next week. However, there may be a couple of positions we talk about today where we need in the draft. So keep that in mind. But first off, how are things in the Great White North there, Darren? Internet still shit. <laughs> you look great today. Oh, uh, gray, you say? Great. Fantastic. Great. Outstanding. I like it when you say that. Oh, well. <laughs> everything's everything's fine. Kind of a boring week, Viking news-wise, but fine stuff to talk about anyway and uh, ready to get at it. Let's do that. We titled this one, Can be Kevin, Can Kevin O'Connell Be Great? That's an open question mark. It is really too early to tell, but we shall find out. Does he have some of the traits necessary? Some think so. Maybe a little bit of luck falls into that. We'll find out. Theme one. Yeah, I got Yeah. There you go. Is Kevin O'Connell the next great head coach? Maybe a little bit too early, but I, I got to thinking about this as I was listening to his uh, – his media availability at the at the league meetings this week, and uh, and of course um, his first year, uh, he was a smash hit. Goes thirteen and four. Uh, Vikings win the NFC North for the first time since two thousand seventeen. Yes, one and done in the playoffs, and that was disappointing. But I think if you if you if we all take a sober look at the Vikings roster last year, uh, I think uh, most of us would. And certainly I do. Most of us would conclude that Kevin O'Connell and his staff got about as much out of that team based on the roster they had as, as I think could be expected. Um, so that, that was great, great first year, but we also know that first time head coaches sometimes, and, or at some point in their tenure, they sometimes get catch lightning in a bottle, have that one great year, like say or a great or good year, like Leslie Frazier 2012 to get the 10 and six year or Chile in 2009 when he went 12 and four and went to the NFC championship game. Um, there's always examples like that, but you don't want to catch lightning in a bottle, Dave. You want, you want that guy that's going to be great. That's going to make the Vikings a, con- a consistent playoff Super Bowl contender, a guy like the great late Bud Grant who made the Vikings again, a Super Bowl contender like throughout the seventies, basically. That's that's who you want. Uh, is Kevin O'Connell that guy, or is he going to be a guy, like I said, like who has one or two good years? Um, you know, we want that great next great coach. So we want a guy who can take rosters like the Vikings had last year in 2022, which you know had some strong players, no doubt about it. But I don't think they were elite level. But he got them to 13 and four and a division championship and one of the best records in the league. You want a coach who can get the most out of guys who can take a roster that isn't that uh, maybe that great on paper and make them great or make it 
if they are great on paper, get them to the Super Bowl. You want a guy like the guy who was his mentor, uh, the guy he coached under, Sean McVay, who's uh, took the he's a Super Bowl, got a Super Bowl ring. Uh, he's been extremely successful. He's taken the Rams to the uh, playoffs four of the six years that he's been head coach there. Only had one losing season once, and that was last year. That's the kind of guy you're hoping that the Vikings got last year when they hired Kevin O'Connell. Um, and and uh, so I just wanted to kind of talk about, explore uh, what I think that makes me feel good about Kevin O'Connell, uh, that he could be the next great head coach, and maybe some of the things that he still needs to work on. And okay. Dave, Before we get into that, can, yeah. let's acknowledge everybody that's joined us today so far. Uh, of course, we have Nick Howard, Yogi Howard. Welcome, <laughs> Yogi. Davey Chains. Davey and I were talking war stories before the show. We have Raymond Hogland. Thanks, Raymond, for showing up. Another person I've talked war stories with. Justin from Purple and Gold for Days. And, of course, the legendary GMAC. Thank you for joining us live in the comments. Now back to the regularly scheduled program of talking <laughs> about Kevin O'Connell. Well, I think, uh, Dave, one of the what Kevin O'Connell has done well and what uh, I really like about what he's done in his first year is he he said he'd do it. And I think he has done it. And he's really created a player centric uh, culture where players feel valued, that they feel like that what they have to say uh, and that their opinions on football matters or other matters are taken into account when they when they play for the Vikings and taken into account by Kevin O'Connell and his staff. And they, they like being there. They like going to work. I think in today's NFL, that's always been important, but when you got high priced guys, you can think that they might be more important than the coach, the coaching staff. Uh, I think that if they, you know, you've got to take that into account. You've got to be able to uh, take their input, expect that they're going to give you input and show that that's going to be taken into account, that you value that, that you'll act on it if you if you get that input. Uh, I think Kevin O'Connell has shown that he can do that. I think he communicates well with today's football players. He wasn't he's about their age himself. It wasn't so long ago that he was playing, and I think that is important. You don't want a head coach who players don't feel they can approach, who players don't relate to. Um, you probably can get away with it if you've won you know, a gazillion Super Bowls like Bill Belichick has or Bill Walsh. But but when you're first first year guy going into a second year like Kevin O'Connell, uh, I think, it you know, it helps if players can relate to you, if you communicate well with them, if you understand and or do a great job communicating what you expect of them, how you expect them to play, how you expect them to act on and off the field. I think, And I think Kevin O'Connell has shown that he can do uh, those things very well. Uh, and those are all, and I know those are kind of things that, that are sort of off the field kind of stuff in, in a lot of ways, but uh, and not so much X's and O's type things, but that head coaches are generally, I think, uh, you know, judged on. But I think Kevin O'Connell has, he's also done some things a little bit less, uh, maybe less traditional uh, in that he's the investment he's made in doing, uh, you know, looking at travel, looking at uh, rest like the training camp, which was very low intensity, uh, not a lot of hitting, you know, really stressing that he didn't want to get players worn out in training camp. He wanted to teach them the systems. He wanted to teach them, get them ready to play. But he recognizing that you got a 17 game and maybe longer if you make the playoffs, a 17 game, very physical season. He wanted players to be as fresh as possible going into that season and preserve them for when he really needed them, which is on the field during the regular season. And which I think that... Market change from the previous administration and, you know, the more traditional football, it, but it seems to work and it keeps them healthier. And that's another emphasis he makes. He did. And, ties and he, into it. Tie, that ties into it. He's used his, his, his training staff, his player performance guide, Terrell, you know, or I forget what his title is, but Terrell Williams and, you know, what they've done and looking at the, you know, they've tried to institute some of that load management stuff. They've looked at what best ways to travel, how to take a lot of the off the fields uh, and keep them as fresh as possible, as healthy as possible. And again, the Vikings really succeeded at that last year because they didn't lose a lot of, of 
uh, like game and man hours, if you put it in the working world, to injuries last year. So I think Kevin O'Connell, he, that was an emphasis for him. I think that's worked out really well. I think on the field kind of stuff, uh, really, you know, he's got to fix the defense. He's an offensive guy. The, the, the way the defense played last year and his, and his selection of Ed Donatel as, as his defensive coordinator, that did not work out. He's got to change that. He did make the hard decision or maybe not hard decision because he, he decided at one year, it ain't working with Ed Donatel. Sorry, Ed, we, we got to replace you. And he brought in Brian Flores. So he's shown that he'll act. If something isn't working, he'll try to fix it. And he did that in the offseason. Offensively, I think we all saw, yes, he had a top 10 scoring unit, but not always an explosive big play unit. And there was lots of stretches in games where, although we were really good at the start of the game scoring and we were really good at the end of halves and at the end of the games in scoring, there was a lot of like dry periods where in between. Four, four or five, six drives where we don't do anything at all, which was a lot of the co- concerns we had and complaints we had with the previous offense under Clint Kubiak and, and Mike Zimmer. And that didn't really improve last year, but the two so, minute. Yes. At the end, that did greatly. And that was, it did. That was a huge improvement, but and that yes, there were still important. times when they'd go three series in a row where it was one, two, three punt, you know, type deal, or maybe a little bit more, but they didn't get far 20 yards down the field before it stalled. And that's what we don't want. No, we don't want that. So those are things that Kevin O'Connell's got to fix. But uh, I, I, all that being said, I think that pretty early, but I feel good about what we have in Kevin O'Connell. Uh, it's easy to say that after you go 13-4, and four, and so much went right last year. He didn't really have to deal with a lot of off-the-field drama, bull- bullshit. Uh, a lot of things went right for him during games. Yeah, so he didn't he he didn't get thrown he didn't face a lot of like um, you know heavy <laughs> heavy artillery uh, high stress situations where he, he had to really answer for stuff that really wasn't going well. But I still I like again his communication skills, his ability to to work well with the you know with the players, even with the media. He's a very calm, uh, friendly face to fans out there. How much that matters on the field, I don't know, but. I feel that you know he gets along well with the players, but he isn't a pushover. Uh, he doesn't let the in- inmates run the asylum, at least not yet. But he's not a dictator either, right. and and uh, he's shown that he'll make changes to coaching staff if it's not working. Uh, and uh, so I feel is he the next great Vikings head coach? Uh, I'm not going to make a call on that. Uh, things look great after the first year. He is going to have a lot of pressure on him now, though, in the second year, because fans will, they'll forgive you in the first year. And lots of, and our buddy Drew Bunting says this all the time, new head coach, they get a one-year period of grace. After that, who knows what the hell happens, right? Like after that, fans want you to win the Super Bowl. They want you to make the playoffs all the time. If you don't, they're going to start nitpicking and finding holes in, in the way that you do things. Look at you know, focus on your weaknesses. Complain a lot about that, and uh, if the Vikings backslide this year, uh, O'Connell's not going to be looked on as favorably, and people are going to be wondering if he is as good as he was in his first year. But I feel good about it. Uh, interesting was uh, I was looking on Facebook a little while ago mm-hmm. when you posted the the promo about uh, this, and I think this is also plays a part in any head coach's uh, success. The great Ed White commented about mm-hmm. when you talked about this, saying that he believes that Kevin O'Connell is the next great Vikings head coach, but he's going to need some luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, that's all comes, that all comes with roster building a little bit too, like with him and Quasey. Can they develop the roster that allow Kevin O'Connell to stick around for a decade or more like Bud Grant did, like mm-hmm. uh, Dennis Green did. And unlike guys like Zimmer, Brad Childress, uh, Jerry Burns, you know, Leslie Frazier and, and a few others. Right. Uh, Zimmer was close, but and they ran that into the ground. And obviously the goal is the goal. It's the Super Bowl. Uh, I wanted to comment on uh, earlier comment made speaking to Facebook on Facebook over on Daily Norseman. Mitch Gordon said, hard to say. He's still coaching a team that Spielman and Zimmer built, despite the fact that the team finished 13 and four 
it still mirrored the team from the year before with different results. We will learn more after he and Quasi start to have more of their fingerprints on the team. And that is a true statement. And I shout out to Mitch for saying that. And they'll have to eventually they'll they'll actually then they'll eventually have to get the quarterback situation right. If they if they if they nail that one, because Kirk Cousins isn't going to be here forever and probably might not be here beyond this year of this coming season. But uh, if they if they get that one right, then both Quasi Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell could be here a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the quote I put up there, I found on For- it was published on Forbes yesterday um, by Steve Silverman, who's been around the league and reporting on the league for decades, uh, that Adolfo Mensa and O'Connell were clearly on the right track in year one. The assignment grows infinitely more difficult in year two. And that is the case. We have a much harder schedule. There, uh, We're going to deal with, we're going to show you some of the things that they have to deal with here in segment two, especially that uh, they're going to have to overcome. Can they? Let's hope so. Everybody wants, you know, that Lombardi that's sitting in front of you right there. So, Let's go for it. Our next theme thing, too. This one is where Darren seeks some psychological help. <laughs> what worries you? Uh, and like the, the old Will Ferrell, Harry Carey skit, on Saturday Night Live, uh, I'm a worrier, Dave. <laughs> that's why they call. That's why they call me Whiskers. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, I uh, as we've been doing for several weeks now, we've been looking at each uh, the different positions on the Vikings, and we'll be doing defensive line right after this one. Uh, but uh, as we wrap that segment of this show up, I did get to start thinking about and we've we've gone through the first wave of free agency we've already made a number of signings seen some said wave goodbye to uh, you know other vikings who, players who were vikings last year uh the, with the draft coming up here in about a month's time uh I, a little I, bit less yes yeah i, I felt uh, you know i i wanted to I started thinking about, okay, like where do we stand in different positions and what positions do I feel good ba- about or what positions do other people feel good about and, and what don't I feel good about it? So I wanted to get into that a bit and uh, I wanted to start off with the position that worries me the most right now. And based on what we've done so far in free agency and what we haven't done, um, cornerback really, really has me worried right now. <laughs> and uh, if you, you look at the four guys who had the most starts last year, Patrick Peterson, Cam Danstar, Shannon Sullivan, and Duke Shelley. And all four of those guys are not Vikings right now. And Shannon Sullivan, I've said it before, I'll say it again, I hope he isn't a Viking. <laughs> and as you can see, Duke Shelley wasn't even on this list. A year no. ago, he wasn't even on the team. And this was right after the draft. So for folks to know, this was right after the draft. I think they got rid of Harrison Hand, got Duke Shelley. Um, There's only two people from that group of people that are still on the team, Booth and Evans. That's right. Uh, Chris Boyd, even uh, everybody's yeah. favorite special teamer, uh, you know, low on the low on the depth chart, but a, but a backup nonetheless, and been a Viking for uh, four years, I believe. Uh, he hasn't been re-signed yet, um, and so that's that right now. You're looking at five guys who are on, uh, who were either backups or starters last year, who are not Vikings right now, and likely all of them won't be Vikings mm-hmm. now. And all all you've got with the Vikings currently on the roster is you, you, you signed one to replace them. You got Byron Murphy uh, from the Cardinals. Other than that, you got Andrew Booth Jr., Caleb Evans, Tay Gowan, and Kalen Burns. And Gowan and Burns are basically practice squad guys. Um, Booth and Caleb Evans are going into their second year, and they were hurt all the fucking time last year. <laughs> so uh, so that, that is not a whole lot of, of uh, 
depth or there's potential there, uh, but not a whole lot of proven talent either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and I think, you know, going into the Vikings still need to get at least three more guys uh, to round out that group, with, even well, with. You need, you need five. You need to go into your 90 man roster, it needs to have at least 10 corners on it, period. That's, yes. that's basically the minimum number is 10. We're at five. Now, Yogi just put up slide Bynum to corner. Now, I wouldn't put Bynum on the outside. I would see how Bynum may play at nickel because the only person on this team out of that corner room with nickel experience is this guy, Byron Murphy. Well, we didn't sign him to a good-sized deal to play nickel. We signed him to replace Patrick Peterson and play outside as our CB1. So does Bynum slide into the nickel role? I have no problem with it if he can handle it. Does Lewis Seen slide down, play that sort of hybrid thing? I have no problem with that. We may see more. It all depends on Coach Flores on how they want to fill, because right now we got five corners. We're not selecting five corners in the draft. Sorry, we've only got five picks. Um, So you might get one, maybe two in the draft, if that, and then all the rest are going to be undrafted free agents. And you know their level of skill. So um, I think Flores has got some sort of voodoo magic he's working up. And it probably involves Cameron Bynum or Lewis Seen or some of the hybrid types to cover for the inefficiencies or the lack of talent that we're seeing. I don't know. I hope he's working at something like that. But uh, we'll find out. Aaron says 31st. Can't be worse. Of course you can. You can be 32nd. Um, <laughs> and the, and. When we looked at the corners a couple of weeks ago, Dave, uh, there was mm-hmm. a few names I've thrown out, and there's still guys who were were quality starters at one time in the NFL, right. like Marcus Peters, like Rocky Sin, like Bryce Callahan, who still still are free agents, and there's lots of others who are still free agents who lower level. But uh, uh, Kevin O'Connell said this week at the league meetings, he got asked specifically about the cornerback room, and he said, mm-hmm. "Yep, uh, we need more guys, and <laughs> some of that's going to come come from the draft." And but we need more veterans too. Now, is the veteran going to be Marcus Peters? I'm thinking not. We got 1.5 in calorie salary cap space right now, and and Marcus Peters probably isn't getting a big money deal when he's almost 30. But he's going to want more than the vet minimum too. And some of these Rocky Asin would be this in the same category, I think. Uh, so if the Vikings are certainly going to get some veterans, but they might not be the big names that we recognize and that we might like to have on the team but they they will have some vets there and they're certainly the more you look at it and the the when you look at the the, the cornerback room that the vikings have right now who we've got and who we don't have the more uh, you got to feel that the, the vikings There's, don't pick a corner at 23 it'll be shocking <laughs> right well and but or make a move sometime yes. in between now you yeah. highlighted that it came out the vikings are number one again we're number one we have the least amount of cap space of any team in the league. We are sitting there with, I think it's 1.58 million, something like that, 1.5 something million. There is no way, no way that they can continue to fill out the 90-man roster and get the rookies with that 1.5 million. So at some point in time between now and the draft, and you figure the day after the draft is when everybody has to be back under the cap or whatever it is, the top 51. They're going to make some moves some way, somehow, whether it's trades, like Dalvin Cook, Daniel Hunter, Zedarius Smith, anybody that's trade a bowl, you might want to throw in there. Whatever they're going to do, they're going to have to move stuff and change stuff to get money. Yeah, they can convert more bonus of Brian O'Neill and get, you know, another eight or $10 million or whatever it is. There are ways to do that, but they are sitting there, right? They're playing right on the margin. Now I have no problem with that. Yes. We, uh, 
Kwesi is a finance guy. He knows how that's played. You want to play on the margin, right? Right real close and make changes at the last minute to keep you right where you need to be. And he may be doing it smarter than anybody else. But there will be something coming up because, except we've got five, five corners right now on the roster. And we know at least two of them are practice squad quality. Two of them are possibly starter quality. The one we just got with Byron, um, he's obviously a starter. You're hoping the other two, but we need a nickel. So it's there were still moves to be made between now and right after the draft. So stay tuned for that because it's going to keep us going. And in a passing league, uh, <laughs> you don't want a cornerback room that is uh, inept. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, uh, and uh, right now, I'm not uh, like Byron Murphy is not an inept player. He's you know been an okay player in his pro career and has his best mm-hmm. football ahead of him. But but if, he, if he's the best you've got in that room right now, you are in some trouble <laughs> on the back end, I would say. Uh, so Gold yeah. Mafia thinks we move up and take uh, Anthony Richardson at three. That would be Ooh. interesting. <laughs> that would, that would, Davey, Davey Likey. <laughs> uh, well, I I definitely do. That would be interesting. Um, and you, you might want to say, hey, with what we're talking about in the previous second, can – Coach O'Connell be great. And the question is, you know, well, it's going to take time and he's got to get consistent and he's got to be do all sorts of things. A move like that, even though you may be sacrificing 2023, you're still going to be competitive. Whether you're going to be great or not is a different story, but you're still going to be competitive. But you're you're building for possible future greatness. Because right now, even with the roster we have right now, uh, do you think we can be great? We've got to improve the defense. We're, we've already showed you corners, a huge, huge component of that. We're talking about defensive line in the third second. There are holes and deficiencies. Wide receiver two, we've gone on about that. There are things that will make the team better and the possibility of being great. To getting the quasi and the Kevin O'Connell fingerprints on the team versus the Spielman and Zimmer fingerprints off the team. There are things that are going to take place. Um, Does 2023 look like a Super Bowl year? Realistically, no. Um, Mm -hmm. Do we want to be competitive? Yes. Do we want to see improvement? Not necessarily in the record because 13 and 4 is going to be hard. But – see an improvement on how they play, how they're scoring, how there isn't those lulls we talked about where the offense goes to sleep for two or three series, um, where we see the defense improve on pass, rush, and run stuffing and stuff like that. Do we want to see that? Yes. To me, that would be, if we see improvements in those areas, we're on the right track. Even if we finish, you know, nine and seven uh, or nine and eight and, you know, 10 and, Seven, still getting weird, getting used to the 17-game season. Yes. Um, You can't, like GMAC says, you can't fix everything overnight. And I agree. But we want to see positive movement. And positive movement generates goodwill. Last season, with the old uh, roster, we went 13-4. and That was positive movement by far. Changed the, you know, the leadership. In the front office and coaching staff, and suddenly everything got better. Well, we saw that. Now let's move on to the next step of positive movement. We know some of the guys are getting old. We need to get rid of them, getting slow, whatever. So they shed those. Too expensive. Whatever the reason was, we shed those players. Now we're taking the next step. As long as we can keep doing that, we're going to eventually get to the goal. And Mm -hmm. to win one before we die. Especially me. I want to see one before I die. I wanted to see Bud win one before he died. We didn't get there, but let's let's do that. So corner's my worry. 
uh, on the positive side of things, are there any positions that I feel actually good about uh, with with the Vikings? And uh, I, I didn't get into it earlier, Dave, but I, the depth or overall on the Vikings is something that's a bit concerning. And it was last year. We got good players sprinkled, you know, some elite players sprinkled throughout all of the, the positional units, or they could be elite. Uh, you know, you got an elite in Justin Jefferson. Christian Jarrett uh, looks like he's heading to elite as a left tackle. Uh, mm-hmm. And Dalvin Cook was elite as a running back. And uh, same with Daniil Hunter. I, th- I think he's an elite guy as an edge rusher. Zadarius Smith. So there, we got good players at different levels. But uh, we don't have... Yeah, yeah, we don't have the a lot. If, if you go after you go to the after, after you look at the starters, we don't have a lot of younger guys who can are, that really look like they could obviously go in and take over for some of the older players if they got hurt or if they leave the team in the next season and could give you a good level of play. And we don't have any vets who uh, you know solid vets who a lot that could step in there either. And and again could take over, could you, could be given starter snaps and keep the Vikings above water. Um, you got the, uh, the photo there. Like I thought of defensive end was one area where the Vikings really did a great job of, of doing that, you know, that succession plan. At least one per team. Yes. Yeah. Like when Ray Edwards, if people remember, when Ray Edwards left the team in 2011 as a free agent, we had Brian Robeson to go in there and take over for him. And we didn't miss a beat. Same thing when Jared Allen left in 2013. Uh, Everson Griffin was able to step in there and not as great as Jared Allen, but pretty damn close. A very good player for us. You know, we didn't, we, there wasn't a, a big drop off there. Uh, when And by the time Griffin got in there, he was actually, you know, Jared was on the downside of his career. Everson was at the peak of his career. Was starting so, to ascend. Yeah. Yeah. So we actually probably improved our play. In, in with getting Griffin in there. And then when Robeson was ready, when his he was getting along in the tooth, we had Daniil Hunter to take over for him. Well, we don't have that succession planning in just about every position on the Vikings right now. And, and that's always worrisome because if you look at teams like San Francisco or Philly last year, they could just bring in waves of players, uh, you know, moving them in during the game and rotating guys, starters in and out. Or if a guy went down with an injury, they had a guy, a quality backup, to come in and slide in and perform at a respectable level. I don't have that level of comfort when I look at our roster, and so that you know that's a worry overall that Quasi and Quasi and Kevin O'Connell are going to have to address in you know in and wild wild era draft next draft this draft yep. next draft on and on. They've got to build that so. Especially crazy because when you're talking years out, you gotta, you know, on your board start moving stuff up, and I need to find the next guy to replace them and just have them, you know, flowing. Yes, uh, there's one thing Belichick did so well. Uh, not only did he, you know, get rid of players a year early than a year late, he was able to, even though he didn't have some of the greatest drafts, he had some good drafts. And he would always seem to find that key player and mm-hmm. and put them to replace whoever it was before. So um, it's interesting. Aaron points out our division is only getting stronger, except for hopefully the Packers. Um, <laughs> we need a plan. Bears, making, Bears and Lions making lots of moves on paper. Packers without Rodgers will still give us issues. I hope not, Aaron. I hope for the back in the 80s days before they had Brett Favre and that it is so bad that they have to play half their games in Milwaukee. Milwaukee, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, a position that – a couple of positions I do feel good about, one of them is actually quarterback Mm -hmm. Um, because we got got Kirk Cousins. Guy never gets hurt. Uh, Guy keeps – takes care of his body very well. Uh, when he plays, he keeps him because he's not a scrambling guy and more of a pocket passer. Even though he takes a lot of hits, he doesn't put his body in harm's way a lot. Uh, so you can feel pretty comp and when and he's productive. Uh, we know what you know what you're going to get from Kirk Cousins from year to year. And last year, uh, despite some of the like the the statistics weren't as strong, maybe or that he has had in previous years, we saw improvements in areas that he's been criticized in, like 
the you know up there like you said mentally right like the the the, the, the his ability to multiple late comebacks uh, playing well and being a key guy in late uh, comeback wins for the Vikings. I think eight fourth quarter comebacks or something like that was what yeah, he tied had last the record, year. NFL record. Yeah. It was, was outstanding. The mentality change on him last season was astounding. And it lasted all the way up until the playoff game on the fourth and eight. But, um, <laughs> yeah, right, there, there's that. Yeah. But he, he had that uh, and uh, we saw him uh, playing less robotic than he has in previous yes. years. He was trying to he was trusting his players more particularly Justin Jefferson to trusting them to make plays uh, and not be oh yeah, waiting until they were quote Wide unquote open. open to throw them the ball so those are all positive things and again uh, he's going to be 35 but i would say he's a young 35 you know like <laughs> like he's I, I feel that i could at least for this year uh, I've got no issues with Kirk Cousins being our starting quarterback. Uh, and, and he will be our starting quarterback. Yes. Unless somehow the Vikings do something that forces him to say, all right, trade me. Uh, he yeah. is going to be our quarterback, period. So you've got a guy who's, you know, 10, top 10, 15 in the league and never gets hurt and is going to be out there to play. Uh, you got to feel good about that. I also feel good about the backup, Nick, Cull- Nick, Mull- Nick Mullins, because if uh, Cousins, God forbid, were to miss a game or two, uh, Mullins is a guy who, again, he's got lots of starter experience. Uh, he's shown that he can run offenses effectively. He's an accurate quarterback, not the greatest arm strength. But uh, I think that, again, if, if he has to play a game or two or three, he can. he's not going to lose you those games. He can keep you in games. He's going to get the offense performing at a at a you know an, an efficient enough, high enough level that you can win those games. And I think as a back veteran backup, that's what you're looking for. And he doesn't kill you on the salary cap side of things. So that's that's great. So you got two really solid guys in your quarterback room. I feel good about that. The only thing that would be better is if you had a third guy, a promising guy who's kind of like the heir apparent <laughs> to, to Cousins. And maybe we'll get that in this draft. Who knows? But who knows? Uh, quarterback. Quarterback room, I think that that's not a position I'm really worried about depth-wise. The other one that I don't uh, feel worried about depth-wise, I actually feel good about, and it feels really weird to say this after all the years that we've been bitching and moaning about the offensive line, but I actually feel that the offensive line, I don't have a whole lot of worries about uh, about that unit. We got Now we know, depending on Brian O'Neill and how quickly he comes back from the partially torn Achilles, maybe he'll be ready for the start of the season, hopefully, maybe not. But you've got, he's going to be back at some point and and likely early in the season if he's not ready to go right at the start of the season. You've got all five of your starters back from last year. Continuity on the offensive line, Dave, you've talked about it before. It's It's big, it's very important. You've got a guy like Ed Ingram going into a second year, he can only improve, I think. And if he improves, man, you could really have, mm-hmm. you know, a really good unit when you look at what Derisaw does at left tackle, what O'Neill gives you at right tackle. Ezra Cleveland's pretty solid. And he's uh, been improving left, every season he's played. Left guard. And Bradbury's coming off his best year as a pro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I like that offense, starting offensive line. Uh, and then beyond them, you got Blake Brandle, who showed that, you know, uh, he's got his issues, but you can put him in at left tackle or maybe right tackle, and he's not going to kill you. As a backup, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I think that's a lot of times that's as much as you can ask. Same thing for Ali Udo. When he went in for Brian O'Neill, when Brian O'Neill got hurt, he played, I thought, pretty well, and he's back. Uh, so I think uh, as your backup tackles, you got pretty good depth there. At guard, you got. Chris Reed, he's a vet. I think he's reliable, solid. He could play guard. He can play center. He's got a lot of flexibility. Not spectacular, but not horrible. Not, spe- not horrible. Again, what are you going to get from your backups? Or a lot of them are going to be like that. Vidarian Lowe is a kid. He was a red shirt as a rookie last year, but big, strong, got great measurables. And the the book on him coming out of Illinois was that if you know if you if he gets the right coaching, he could turn into you know a pretty solid pro. And I think Chris Cooper has, you know, it, it, I, I, I've been encouraged by what he got out of the offensive line last year. So Vidarian Lowe is a guy, he gives you some extra depth. He could be kind of like a, you could look at him as kind of like an Ali Udo, a guy who took a couple of years of development to get to be a solid pro, but 
he's got he's got the again he's got the body he's got the measurables that with the right coaching could again, be I think I think yeah could be something and I think Vidarian Lowe again as a backup it, that's good to have him there Austin Schlotman I've you know I don't really like him as a player but again I the Vikings differ and he gives you he's a vet doesn't cost you much gives you flexibility on the interior can play guard can play but you know he can play center uh, so the Vikings have decent options there if a starter goes down and their starting five, I think is overall pretty solid. So offensive line as weird as weird as it is as a Vikings fan to say it, I'm feeling pretty comfortable with where they're at right now, even if they don't add any, a whole lot of like, you know, draft somebody high, which I don't think they're going to uh, in the draft or add a, you know, a veteran or two, uh, to the, to the unit, which they will, but I don't think it's going to be anybody really, uh, that will, will have get too excited about, but the offensive line, you know, I think we're all things considered, we're looking okay there. And, and we've got good depth and it seems the room is filled. So I agree with you on that one. For those that are wondering, I'm drinking my one of my favorite Irish whiskeys called the Fighting 69th. 10% <laughs> of all their sales goes back to veteran causes. Myself and Davey in the comments are drinking it, and it is good, good Irish whiskey if you can find it locally. And it goes to a great cause. Yes. That brings us to theme three. Here we're getting ready to talk about the defensive interior, the big round bellies that play defensive tackle, or in a 3-4, some of them are called defensive ends, not to be confused with edge rushers of outside linebackers. We're looking at your traditional nose guard type or nose tackle, and then anywhere from your three to five technique defensive tackles, usually. These are the guys that are presently loaded on the team in the room with their PFF scores. There is nothing that is super outstanding about this bunch. There is a few of them that have decent scores. We will get into those guys here shortly. This is, yes, defensive line. This is one of our last positional unit analyses, David. And uh, as you alluded to. on the defense. Yeah, I think we're going to get into special teams too, but that'll be pretty short uh, next (laughs) week, I think. But uh, won't have a whole lot to say about the kickers and punters. But anyway, um, but but yeah, defensive line, the, this is the, the unit that really, I was least excited about <laughs> analyzing and talking about Dave, because like you said, uh, there's not a whole lot, at least for me, there's not a whole lot to be excited about, about this unit. Uh, no real stars or studs. Uh, a couple of guys that are solid or you could consider solid. Uh, a lot of mad players. And, uh, you know, one guy in particular that I think both of us are feel uh, are, could be a, a real asset and are is it promising, but, but, but it's really kind of a, it's not a unit that's got a JJ Watt or an Aaron Donald on it. Yeah. Uh, not even close, not even close. Uh, but, uh, but we're going to roll them out along anyway. And, uh, and last year, and, you know, look, the, when you sum up the defensive line, Dave, we, we've, I'm not very excited, but we our big free agent acquisition, was Dean Lowry. We've already made that, I think. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and then the best player on that unit is now a Cleveland Brown. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, Dalvin Tomlinson is the guy that uh, he was the, the best guy on that unit last year. Uh, we weren't able to resign him. He signed with the Browns for a lot of more money. A lot of money. Did. He got paid. Good for he him. Got paid. Good for him. Uh, we just couldn't, get you know come up with that amount of scratch and i wouldn't have been really in favor of paying him that much anyway but uh he was the best player on this defensive line on that unit last year 
uh, a very strong pass rusher, even though he didn't get a lot of sacks, uh, sack and half, I think. Run run uh, defense grades, particularly PFF, were, you know, they were average, not great, mm-hmm. but uh, the pass rushing grades were great. But, but overall, uh, still his on a unit with not a lot of stars uh, and a lot of guys who are really just just guys, I think, uh, he, he's going to be missed on a defense that was 31st in the league last year and didn't really do anything well. Uh, stop the run, stop the pass, you know, uh, so he's going to be missed. Uh, but you move on. Right now, uh, I think that, you know, you're looking at your three starters are probably Lowry at defensive end, Jonathan Bullard at the other end, and then you got Harrison Phillips as your nose. Uh, Lowry is a guy that he's coming off. Of, you know, uh, Harrison Phillips was a guy that I felt last year. I thought he was just okay, but if you look at his his grades, there, um, you know, they're they're not, bad. they're not half bad. But he's a guy that I think uh, I often feel with the free agents, Dave, uh, that the first year that you know, new team, new city, new coaching staff, new defensive system. Uh, in a lot of cases, it's an adjusted year for even veterans. Uh, I don't know if Harrison Phillips was completely comfortable with his with the team, with the surroundings last year. You know, there's a lot going on when you move to a new city halfway across the country after you're in Buffalo. So I feel that that in that second year, the free agents, if they they last a second year, that they that's when they hit their stride with mm-hmm. the new team. And so I have some hope, and 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 there, you know, maybe maybe just Harrison Phillips' uh, second year in the system. Uh, second year in the city, second year with a lot of the same teammates, that he's going to play at a better, higher level than he did last year when I thought he was just okay. And Harrison Phillips is kind of a guy that he's not never going to be a superstar anyway. He's a player who's, I think, a good complimentary player. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, got noticed on the Buffalo unit because they had a lot of, you know, they had a strong defense, a lot of good players, and he was like a great extra piece. But if if you're expecting him to be like a dominant player for the Vikings, he's not that guy, but he can be a real asset for you. And I think as he gets his second, gets his second year with the Vikings that he's going to play better and have a better year. And if Harrison Phillips plays better than he did last year, uh, that's going to help the Vikings, particularly on run defense with him clogging up, uh, you know, occupying blockers, clogging up the middle, clogging up running lanes. Uh, So, that's one thing that's that's a maybe, but I I feel optimistic about Harrison Phillips having a better impact than he did in twenty twenty two. Bullard, you know, um, he he may not end up starting, but right now he would. If you look at the list of guys that we've got, uh, he's as good a choice as as any to start like a, at one of the the opposite tackles of, of Phillips. But uh, he's a guy that you know, yeah, he's not going to cost you much. But he's not going to make you a whole lot of, you know, impact plays either. So, uh, I'd love to see the Vikings come up with a better option. But right now, I'm not really seeing it. And then Dean Lowry is a guy that I always liked with the, the Packers. Uh, I liked the signing, but last year, you know, again, if you look at his PFF grades, which you just put up, not really very impressive. Right. Uh, but if you get, but I feel that he's got pass rushing ability. He's a stout, thick guy who can set an edge. And if you get the 2021 Dean Lowry instead of the 2022 mm-hmm. Dean Lowry, you're get at the price you got him. You're going to get a guy who's who's going to be an asset to this defense, and he knows the three four like the back of his hand because he's that's all he's. And hopefully, played. he's motivated. Um, yes, you know, coming from the Packers, the Packers let him go. Hopefully, he's extra motivated um, to play well all season, and especially against the Packers. Um, Yes. Very well could be. Uh, there's one person, though, that played extremely well we have yet to talk about. We that Yes, we have, and that would be Kyrie's Tonga, who's the, the big – you know, if, if John this, – this is the guy that uh, I, I really liked with the limited amount of snaps he got last year, and maybe – uh, we'll see. I think right now I still feel like Harrison Phillips is going to be your nose tackle, but maybe the Vikings are, maybe Brian Flores is thinking that Tonga is his starting nose and that he just got Phillips and Lowry 
as the defensive tackles opposite of that. You know, Phillips in uh, a three, Lowry yeah. in a five technique. Um, and, I, and I would be more be. than okay with, with that sort of alignment because Tonga in not playing a ton of snaps, but he got more and more as the year went on and went from a guy who wasn't dressing to a guy who was started. Sometimes. Making plays. Making plays. And he's a guy, big wide body. If John Madden was alive and still doing – broadcasting and he was doing a Vikings game, he'd be all over Tonga. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you're looking at big gut there and all that. He just uh-huh. goes in there and, you know, look at his beard and all this stuff. But, but all that aside, like Tonga's a guy who he showed an ability to penetrate all along the line of scrimmage. He's that big wide body guy who can do the dirty work, who that doesn't get noticed, but allows his teammates to make plays in the negative plays that, you know, prevent the offense from getting good yardage on mm-hmm. downs. He's a guy, again, that he's a guy that can penetrate and he can create uh, a lot of havoc along the line of scrimmage. And uh, for us to get him, we signed him for, again, pretty much, you know, peanuts. And uh, we got him back for a year. And I think that he's going to have a significant role on the defensive line uh, this year for the Vikings. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do in year two as the Minnesota Vikings. And I, and uh, and he's he's the guy of of all of these guys that I I feel most like enthusiastic and excited about to see what he's going to do next year because he kind of came out of nowhere last year and really flashed at times. And uh, I think that uh, under Brian Flores, let's see what what Tonga well, can do. I was about to say I can't wait to see how Brian Flores uses these these guys. And, and we just talked about the best, but we do have depth. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, you know, we got James Lentz is a guy. I thought he was going to, I was really much like Tonga this year. Last year, I was pretty excited about Lynch because I knew the Vikings were going to a 3-4. He had been Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year his last year in college as a 3-4 defensive end at Baylor. So I thought he's moving to a system that he excelled at. Uh, I think that this is going to be a good year for James Lynch. It didn't happen. He ended up only playing 23% of the snap defensive snaps when he was in the games that he played. And, um, but his PFF grades aren't too bad, particularly on the run defense, but he had a May year. Now he's going into a contract year this year, David. So extra motivation, uh, extra motivation. Maybe he, maybe he really steps it up. Uh, but again, that's a may, maybe Ross Blacklock, there's a guy that he played even less than James Lynch last year. Um, a guy who had a lot of talent, second round pick for the Texans. But by the end of the year, he was a healthy scratch, I think, four or five games in a row. Uh, I'm not really very optimistic that he's going to pan out and that he's going to have any more of an impact in 2023 than he did in 2022. But I, with the state of the line and who we've got, he's going to be given the opportunity to have an impact. What he does with that, I don't know. I'm not optimistic, but but he's there. And maybe under Brian Flores, again, can get the most out of him and make him realize his potential. Maybe. And then Esezi Otomawea, he had a, and again, like Vidarian Lowe, basically had a red shirt shirt rookie year. Uh, Maybe he's a guy who can step up in year two and take more bites uh, of the defensive snaps and becoming a you know become an emerging ascending player maybe um but that, i'm saying maybe a lot here dave and that's kind of you know. well and it, like i said it's depth and we also yeah. have kenny uh kenny, kenny, kenny willikies as david pointed out yeah and uh, remember kenny right like uh mm-hmm. he was a guy that he's kind of had a strange career he's had two seasons where he's been got been put on the injured reserve before the season even started and then uh I don't, he's still listed as a, on the defensive line. To me, Dave, he seems more of a guy who edge. He, an, an edge you know, rusher, outside linebacker type. But they got him on the defensive line. I don't know what the plans are for him. I don't really feel that you know being on the interior is the right fit for him. So I don't. Well, and the Vikings, the Vikings have brought him back. That's where I see Brian Flores. If they're showing him as an interior defensive lineman, he's going to be your five technique on out, right? He's going to play that role, right? And you're you're going to see substitutions depending on 
as Brian Flores says, yeah, our base is 3-4, but who we're playing dictates what we're going to run. So I see, depending on who we're playing and what the situation is in the game, how he plans to move these pieces around. I see Willikies, like you, at least at the five technique or wider out. Um, but it may be that, hey, I'm moving this chess piece over here on this one. Boom. You know, along with edge rusher, you may have Daniil Hunter alongside of it. Man, they both, you know, just crush the quarterback. It It's going to be fun and interesting to watch. Do I think there's going to be improvement on that 31st ranked defense this year? Yes, I do. Uh, biggest worry we've already covered is cornerbacks. But on the defensive line, the defensive interior, we've got some good. That's what I talked about in the run-up when I teased it. Do you need great or can you get away with good? We have some very good players and we have some decent depth. And I'm curious to see how Brian Flores uses it. Yeah, and I the with with Tonga in particular, I was I thought that somebody like Ashawn Robinson would have been somebody that the Vikings would have pursued in uh free agency, and maybe they still will, but uh, but he was a guy that like uh only played thirty three percent of the defensive snaps for the, the Rams last year. But again, he's a wide body run stuffer, could really potentially improve your run defense, which the Vikings struggled at last year, like everything on defense. But uh, mm-hmm. I thought that he might be a good fit for him. But maybe the Vikings feel that um, any any Robinson's still pretty young. He's only 28. Uh, but the Vikings must feel that, uh, at least for now, anyway, maybe they feel that with Phillips at nose and Kareem Tonga, Tonga is actually young, is younger than, than Robinson and at the price. And they, they, they maybe they feel confident that he can play just as well or close to what Rob they could get out of somebody like Robinson. So uh, I feel, you know, when you look at free agency and, and bringing in another veteran, I think that the Vikings have already done that with Dean Lowry. That's probably the most uh, recognizable uh, free agent that you're going to see the Vikings get along the defensive line. Uh, they, you know, they might bring in some low level fringe guy uh, like when they re- got brought back Sheldon day a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, but uh, you're not going to see any big name guys like, <laughs> being brought in here on the defensive right. line by the Vikings and and the draft wise, I don't think you're going to see us pick anybody either. Again, with the right now, the more you think, I think about it, our needs in the draft are cornerback, cornerback and cornerback. <laughs> so, uh, and you got right now, you only got five. I wouldn't drafts. mind the quarterback of the future and a wide yes. receiver too, to add to that. But yes. Yeah. Uh, so I think defensive line, Throwing even though we don't linebacker. have yeah, on defensive line, we're, granted we don't have any studs, but I think that that's not something with five draft picks that we're going to be able to afford to address. And you already, you know, drafted uh, ten in the Yeah, you already drafted uh, SAC last year with a fifth rounder. Uh, so right now, the defensive line group that we've talked about, I think what you see is what you're going to get in 2023, and. Uh, and how effective they are that's a great question but uh i don't i don't you know if you're looking for more infusion of talent from the draft or, or free agency into that unit right now i think you're going to be disappointed it's it's not going to happen mm-hmm. i think it's down to this man it is and maybe you never know how the draft board is going to go right david uh mm-hmm. somebody maybe in that third round, fourth round, fifth round range. There's a defensive lineman who's there that the Vikings really like, and they do pick him over some other positions that seem like more of a need. But but as as I'm looking at it right now, I don't really see that defensive line is something that we're going to address or going to be able to address you know, at this draft unless Trader Quasey adds two or three extra draft picks to his haul and in which case, then that changes things a little bit. Yep, could be. And that wraps up today's show, the three themes. I want to thank everybody that's joined us. Aaron had to run real yes. quick. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, Justin with Purple and Gold for Days is on here also. He says it's difficult to uh, be much worse defensively. It is difficult, but never say never. You've learned that before, Justin. 
and I do want to promote Justin. If I know a lot of our community is the same community that watches us, that watches Vikings Report with Ted and Drew, that watches a bunch of the shows, that listens to the podcasts, etc. If you haven't already, I want you to check out Purple and Gold for Days, their YouTube channel. Justin runs it well. He's got a cohort in crime with him on occasions. They are well-spoken, well-thought-of Vikings takes. I encourage you to join them. They are outstanding. They are one of my weekly watches, and uh, I highly recommend them. Other one is uh, One Bar and Lupkus, if you love, uh, how do I call it? Um, your <laughs> sense of humor is uh, is wonderful. But there's there's a ton of good ones out there. We all appreciate you watching us and joining us for the shows, and I want to thank you for that. But if you haven't already, go check out Justin's shows, Justin's show at Purple and Gold for Days. And I shouldn't have done that. Small. Whoa. There you go, Dave. You're back. I'm back. Back at the rightful size. Mm -hmm. Um, Any last words there, buddy? Just, um, well, I'm hoping to hear a little bit more on, uh, now that we can kind of focus more on the draft stuff, I think, and, and like to learn a little bit more about who the Vikings are visiting with, you know, who are they looking at the more of those rumors as we lead up to the draft. And we try to speculate more on what the Vikings, who they're going to pick and what they're going to do during the draft. That's always the, the like the, the real fun part of the draft leading up to it is just the, just trying to like figure out what we're going to do, how their Vikings are going to attack it. And, uh, and yeah, like, uh, some people think they're going to move up and draft a quarterback. Some people think they're, they're going to draft, a, they're, they're going to trade back. Um, I think it's, it's really hard to nail down what the Vikings are going to do because there are a lot of, at the stage we're at, there's a lot of things with the amount of draft capital that we have. There's a lot of things that we could do or not do. Uh, it's not clear cut really what the right path is for this team at, at this draft. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree with you. It's going to be fun to watch. Next week, we'll get into more of that in particular because we're running up. The draft is at the end of the month. We are now into April. We will work at that and see where the Vikings may go. They have five picks now. Will they have more? Will Crazy trade down? Will they trade players for picks? We don't know yet, but as we hear stuff, we will let you know. Also, on Vikings First and Skull. We want to thank everybody. We've gone over 350 subscribers. We wish to make that more. So feel free to like, subscribe, ring the bell so you don't miss a show, and to share it with your fellow Viking friends, your Green Bay Packer enemies, and anybody (laughs) else that might like this sort of content. We do appreciate it. I can tell you that on Monday, Tyler and the Real Forno Show here on Vikings First and Skull has a guest. It is Doug Farrar. Uh, is going to be talking about Hinden Hooker in particular for those that want to draft a hooker um, yeah. onto their squad. He's going to be talking in depth about that. Plus, Wednesday, we're looking at Devin Jackson, a draft expert, talking about that. We're going more and more into the draft. So it's all here on Vikings First and Skull. And the good news is, this last week, we got our show, our podcast. If you can't catch the video live, and we love having you on the video, because we can talk to you. We can talk to Justin. We can talk to Davey. We can talk to GMAC live. But if you can't, you can catch us on podcasts. And podcasts now should be able to be found on any aggregator just about anywhere. If you can't, send me a direct message. I will make sure that happens. But we are on iTunes. We are on Google. We are on Stitcher. We are on iHeart. 
We are on Sirius XM. We are on Amazon. We are just about everywhere I can think of and got us signed up for. So just as a reminder, if you miss the show, don't have time to watch us on YouTube, you can catch the podcast um, wherever you like it. And speaking of podcasts, Darren doesn't even know this yet. <laughs> I am going to take this show, this hour-long, long-form show where we sit and tell you what's happening in Vikings land. And since we have three segments, I'm going to bust it up into three separate digestible podcasts so that you can listen to it about 20 minutes each or so at a time, right? When you're at work, when you're at lunch, when you're out with your favorite uh, partner and want to zone out for about 20 minutes, you can turn us on and let's talk Vikings. That's mm -hmm. right. Here at Vikings First and Skull, we are partner with Fans First Sports Network, and we are working up to the run-up of the draft, and it is going to be great. So join us. What do we say, buddy? We always say Skull Vikings. <laughs> Justin? We say Skull Vikings. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Darren and Dave, thank you for watching this episode of Two Old Bloggers. We look forward to seeing you on every show on the new Vikings First and Skull. You can find our podcasts as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Sports takes for the fan, from the fan. Skull, everybody! Skull!